1: So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network.
3: Welcome in. Rob Black in your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing and more. Don't be shy. Any financial questions that you have, whether it be... Did you see that analyst who has a call in the market going down 75%? You want to talk about that? We can talk about that. Um, Typically you hear a lot of stress inside the markets when the markets aren't doing what we want them to. With that said, we'll talk about that and we'll talk about much, much more. But first and foremost, let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. Chad is going to be joining me in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge. On the 28th, 6.30 p.m. Uh, to 9 p.m., you can sign up for the event at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. We're going to be talking about income in retirement. This is something you don't really want to mess up. Chad, how are you? I'm doing well. Doing well. Good, good, good. Um, you know, let's talk about that for just one quick second, because that's kind of a gut check for me. Is And I wrote an article about it yesterday that we're putting up on newfocusfinancial.com. I wrote an article about, like, I don't really know what retirement's going to be for me, what it's going to look like as far as income goes. I got enough. I got enough assets. I don't know what it's going to look like as far as uh, volunteering and how much volunteering I do and I don't do. Um, Why am I nervous about that? I work in the industry. I've got you right next to me in the industry. I'm I'm still many years away, but I'm already getting anxious about it.
2: Well, it's because you're the accumulation guy, right? It's a very different scenario on the distribution side. So distribution income planning is, is a bit different. Okay. Um, you know, most of the strategies out there are a little bit silly. Um, and, you know, a lot of a lot of the strategies that people have heard about on radio for years um, have been ones that were not back-tested. They, um they were really kind of meant to sign somebody up, put them into private REITs and annuities, and then never talk to them again. Um, So it it actually takes a bit more maintenance on the distribution side than it does on the accumulation side. So it it takes a little bit of work, and you've got to set set certain metrics to be able to look at your portfolio, look at your returns, look at inflation, and, you know, year by year, are you on track?
3: Sounds good. Um, And I, I feel a little more comfortable for you calling me out for not being uh, uh, on the management side versus the accumulation side. Um, You know, let's push this topic a little bit forward, though, and talk about what you refer to as gut checks and what people need to know and and feel comfortable with. Um, I opened the segment today talking about there's one analyst out there now who says the market could go down 75%. What if the market doesn't go down 75%, but what if it goes down for one year or two years? A lot of people are really nervous about that.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, essentially, a year like last year, was flat, kind of with a little bit of inflation out there, not much, but it's kind of a negative year, right? Um, if if you had a balanced portfolio, an asset allocated portfolio that included some international, you were flat to negative. Um, so, so you kind of have to ask yourself, you know, a gut check: Are you ready to retire? Because it is a state of mind. It's a change from accumulation to feeding your portfolio. To distribution where you're actually taking money out and you have a limited resource between that and your social security so you have to ask yourself are you ready to retire what if you go into retirement and the market is down the first two years that you retire that's a scary thing because not only are you pulling money out but you're also seeing that decline on top of that and so it can happen it will happen in retirement that you'll have a couple of negative years in a row. And you, you you have to almost mentally prepare for retirement as well as prepare your portfolio. That's why I always say, you know, three years worth of portfolio draws in cash so you can get through something like that. But that's that's one of the biggest gut checks that people don't really think about, especially after the market goes straight up since 2009.
3: What about the concept of, to bridge the, the mental angst there, maybe do a little physical and just stay working. Instead of 40 hours a week, maybe work 10, 20, 30 hours a week and you scale into retirement so that, you don't have the money tap turn off completely. You still have money coming in.
2: Uh, that that is really kind of key for um, a lot of people because especially if you've worked a lot of hours or you're really in charge of something bigger and you went from you know the who's who to the who's he or the who's she. You know what I mean? That's that's a really tough spot to be in to go from okay. being the who's who to the who is she, who is he? You know what I mean? Because everybody's yeah. calling you. They want your input. They want your knowledge. They want you know direction from you to. Uh, hopefully they'll call you next week and play golf. Um, so scaling into retirement is often a great idea for people that have, um, especially worked a lot, a lot of hours.
3: I think to solve all of your gut checks, just win the lottery tonight, um, because then you have you don't care. I think that's why everyone fantasizes about that. That's right. So like our next to- our next topic uh, on the healthcare costs. Healthcare is yeah. not cheap, and I've got an uncle who just had a, a six thousand dollar tooth problem. And that came completely out of his pocket, and his budget was not ready for that. Um, yeah. How are you going to pay for health insurance if you retire early? That's a different well, topic, but guys, same idea. Well, that's, that's
2: such a problem now is um, the Affordable Care Act and the types of plans that are available for people that, that's kind of starting in the age where they really actually need it. These high deductible plans and rates are going up. So um, if you're on your own. I mean, first of all, when you're on Medicare at 65, you still have all the costs that we always talk about, Medicare A, B, C, or I'm sorry, Medicare Part A is for free, you pay for Part B, you got prescription drugs, you know, D, um, and then you got these co-pays and dental costs. And unless you're like with a Kaiser, typically dental costs are, like you said, right out of your own pocket. There's not a lot of individual dental plans that are worth paying for. Um, so how are you going to pay for that? Do you have a plan? Do you really even know how much that costs? It's, it's shocking when we go over these health insurance costs, Rob, and, and events. Um, people are kind of – that's not the happy part of the event, that's for sure, that when when you show them on a monthly basis what it's going to average out uh, to be in retirement or you show them that, hey, it's, you're going to need a lump sum of money of $250,000, and that's going to be drained by the time you die for retirement health care costs.
3: Uh, part of the happy moments at our events, there's an event coming up in Palo Alto on the 28th of January, 630 to 9, is I will go over some dividend stocks that you and I own and the reasons we own them, because that's part of the pillars of retirement income planning. But moving forward with this content, um, do you remember what inflation feels like, Chad? It's it's kind of been a while since we've had like gasoline prices deflating. I forget what inflating prices feels like.
2: Yeah, it's it's really interesting because I kind of have flashbacks of being a kid and um, The Tonight Show, and talking, you know, making jokes about inflation. Um, okay. And it's... Just We really have gone through a period of of low, low inflation. The last couple of years has been ridiculously low, and part of it is because of a lot of central bank intervention around the world, a lot of printing of money, Um, and I'm a big believer that things return to the mean. That's why I'm sitting there looking at some of these uh, commodity prices and commodity-based stocks that have just... Falling off a cliff and thinking, hmm, I might buy a couple and put them in a drawer and see, see what they look like in 10 years because things revert to the mean. And so inflation will revert to the mean. Hopefully, that's a long, slow reversion. Um, but there could be a potential where you've gone through a couple of decades of very low inflation. So you're going to go through a couple of decades of high inflation in retirement, and that's really. Uh, tough for retirees, the good thing is that you can buy things like TIPS, treasury inflation, Protected securities, which are bonds that go up in value and inflation goes up, you can buy commodities. You can actually kind of fight that inside your portfolio, but you still have to have metrics where you've gone and you said, okay, are my returns what I projected? Are my expenses what they projected? Um, how is my overall net worth, my income? Am I on track? Because if you look at your, your income in five years and say, this is just not cutting it. You have to have some sort of measurements to say, yes, it is okay to draw more, or no, you need to peel back on your Mm -hmm. expenses and slow it down a little bit and let things recover. C.F.P.
3: Chad Burton, you can meet him. Palo Alto, January 28th, 10 Pillars of Retirement Income Planning Seminar. Sign up at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. Lots of good stuff at his website, including a blog.
1: You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW.
3: Sunny days chasing those clouds away. You probably have a childhood memory or two of Sesame Street. I don't. I grew up overseas, but when I did get to see it, I had a sister who was born eight years after me, when I did get to see it, I I was horrified. Um, they had a guy living in a garbage can. A guy was living in a garbage can. Big Bird didn't have a nest. Um, It was pretty upsetting. So HBO, which is pretty fascinating, made a relationship with Sesame Street this year, or last year, it's played out this year. And one of the changes that they're going to be heard on Sesame Street, and how do you say change, kids? C-H-A-N-G-E, is, and, you know, HBO season 46 starts Saturday morning. Um, they've, they've upgraded the neighborhood. Elmo's moved in to a brownstone from an apartment. His best friend, Abby Kadabi loves her new community garden. Oscar the Grouch still makes a trash can his home, but he now pops up through an underground tunnel of connecting recycling and compost bins. How's that for the 21st century? You know who really upset me? Um, Mr. Snuffleupagus. It was pretty disturbing, in my opinion. Seems like he might have had a drug problem. Might have had an issue with his nose, if you know what I'm saying. Pharrell Williams is going to be on the show this season. Gwen Stefani. B is for Book. Uh, Orange is the new snack. <laughs> That's cute, right? How about Cookie Monster? You think they're going to politically correct him <laughs> from the guy who loves cookies? You know, I think at one point in time he's saying Twink- Twinkie Twinkie, little star. Um, yeah, but over the years they've done some, some minor updates to the show, but it's going to be a big one this time. <laughs>
1: going to eat cookie.
3: I love Cookie Monster seriously, I I think that's probably one of the greatest characters ever created. I hope they don't soften him for the 21st century and take away his love of cookies. And, like, if they make him eat granola bars or something, a granola fruit snack, I'm going to be really upset. Like, I might snap. That might be my snapping moment. A couple things. Focus on the show, Rob. Focus on the show. Interesting. Netflix CEO is going to give $100 million for education. His first two grants to this education fund um, seem pretty notable. Um, $1.5 million going to go to the United Negro College Foundation and uh, the Hispanic Foundation of Silicon Valley for college scholarships for black and Latino youth. Uh, He's blessed, and he knows it. He's a longtime supporter of childhood education. In the past, he's given millions to charter schools. He's amongst a number of wealthy tech execs who've pledged a large portion of their wealth to improve and expand learning opportunities for young people. Um, Mark Zuckerberg gave away $100 million to the public school system in Newark, which turned out to be kind of not good. It didn't play out the way people wanted it to. A couple other stories out there of note: Mortgage applications have plunged after the earlier rate hike. So application volume fell dramatically over the past two weeks. Even when adjusted for the holidays, total mortgage applications slid 27% on a seasonally adjusted basis for the week. Refinance applications, which are very rate sensitive, decreased 37% from two weeks ago. So I'm starting to look for another property. Just so you know, that's where I'm thinking. Um, because there's some issues hitting apartments now and, and homes. Sky high rents and falling vacancies have characterized the US apartment market for the past six years, but that's starting to change. The share of apartments available for rent rose for the second straight quarter at the end of the last year. That's the first time that's happened since 2009. This truly represents a turning point in the apartment market, construction outpacing demand. The national vacancy rate should slowly drift higher over the coming years. Vacancies are rising, but rents are also still rising at a robust 4.6% pace. That should stop as vacancies rise. I own a couple rentals, and there's nothing worse when people aren't in them. And I'd lower my price sometimes. Um, I'd rather be the landlord that gets paid consistently than be the landlord who tries to get the absolute last nickel and dime out of a person. So the low vacancy rate in apartments is showing you an improving economy, a tightening in labor market, and gradually rising income growth that provides fodder for the continued rent growth. You know, D.C. has been ex- has seen an extraordinary amount of new development with unprecedented units, but that's also with the unprecedented is demand. So New York City, which commands the highest rent in the nation at an average monthly payment of thirty-four hundred dollars, is seeing rising vacancies. San Francisco, number two on rent, is showing vacancies are now flat. Washington, D.C., vacancies are falling. Those are three of the hottest markets. A nice thing about nice thing about, thinking about Washington, D.C. real estate is, you know politicians, at one point in time we hired someone to be a senator, and he would bring his wife to Washington, D.C., and he would work in the Senate. Now he brings 200 people to D.C. to do his job for him. Uh, It'll be 210 people next year, and the year after that, it'll be 220 people. You know that number's not going to go away. A quarter of all people who have cell phones won't make a single call on their cell phones this week. Um, I find that fascinating. We're more dependent than ever on our smartphones. Uh, You see people, you know, walking down the street, one after the other, after the other, after the other, you know, and they don't make phone calls. Their phone isn't for for calls. It's for checking stocks prices. It's for texting friends, being social with friends. Apple reportedly keeping close watch on Time Warner, a potential spinoff of its assets. That would kickstart Apple TV uh, if they could get their hands on CNN and HBO. Those are properties people want to pay for. And Apple could say, screw you cable companies. You know, we're going to offer it for $10 a month. And uh, they don't have to play nice with the TV people. So the cable people which is interesting, State of the Union address, a lot of uh, the same, so a lot of hope, but hope doesn't do terribly great. Lottery ticket buyers, last chance, last chance, you will win $1.5 billion tonight. Not a chance. You already know that it's been given away to someone who's toothless in a trailer park, probably in Oklahoma is my guest this time. Uh, maybe Florida, maybe the Florida toothless homeless person will, will get it. Um, lottery ticket buyers have to suspend their belief in Hawaii and Alaska they need to cross an ocean or mountain street a lottery kiosk so people go through great links to in order to get in on the lottery um, Giant jackpot is on a lot of people's minds it's you know it's fodder it's it's easy to think about um, Some people are spending or waiting to Three hours in line to buy tickets. I, I, I can't imagine. Like, there's some things that stun me. That stuns me. Find me online at robloxshow.com. we got a big event coming up at the end of the month in Palo Alto Elks Lodge on income and retirement. Sign up for it at robloxshow.com. Twitter, Robloxshow. YouTube, Robloxshow.
1: online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM
3: 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. You can call the show at 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. The President of the United States spoke last night, and typically when he talks, people listen. Um, I think it's his last state of the union address. I believe that's correct. And you know, a lot of things got said, uh, he says, we need to fix our politics. Probably the thing that I'm most disappointed in with his eight year presidency is that he said this before, before he got into office, he was like, I'm going to work with both sides. And I don't know if it's his fault. I don't know if it's the Republicans. I don't know if it's Democrats. I know that he had a democratic Congress for the first two years, and if he wants it done, th- more things should have got done. But it seems everyone has an agenda and things shouldn't have got done and things didn't get done. Um, I think we all want better opportunities and more security for our families and people that we love. So a lot of what gets said at these type of uh, speeches are, duh, kind of things, right? But we always feel good because it's our president. He's making us feel good, whether it's a Republican or Democrat. He's saying... Um, We see opportunity where others see peril. On the economy. Obama said that there is a one basic fact and that it's the United States of America right now has the strongest, most durable economy in the world. And he's right. And it's been that way since you were a little kid. And it'll be that way for a while. Are we having more problems crop up? Yes. Socially, yes. The divide between the haves and have nots is bigger. The president highlighted the country's record streak for private sector job growth, the strength of the auto industry, the fact that manufacturing has created almost 900,000 new jobs over the past six years. He said this, and while we've done all this while cutting our deficits by about three quarters. That's kind of, you know, when he came into office and the last two years before he became into office, we spent way too much money as a nation. And it wasn't well spent. The one initiative that I always want to see a president make is transportation to improve our infrastructure. Um, anytime you improve roads, anytime you improve bridges, it it, it it helps commerce. Obama criticized those doubting the strength of the U.S., suggested that anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. Um, he explained that his goal for the past seven years has been to grow the economy in a way that works better for every citizen, and he he said his administration made progress. He thinks that we still have a ways to go on it. I don't know. I'm one of the halves. So I know that. I've had a great life. I've done very, very well. Um, I'm not embarrassed to say that. Um, I don't have a lot of emotions, and that's probably why I, I, I don't suffer from embarrassment. Um, he pointed to technology replacing some jobs and companies increasingly able to locate anywhere in the world as reasons why workers have less leverage for a raise. Part of this trend, he said, is that the wealth and income are becoming more concentrated at the top. I can tell you from when I do get out and about with my Canadian friends, we get oot in a boot. I see a lot of pain in the United States. In my little affluent world, I don't see any pain. But when I get outside my world, I see a lot. I see a lot of people. My last board up before he left was, you know, he had a 100000 plus education, $100,000 cost of education. And he was basically making a little bit more than minimum wage. And that's not to say that my radio company is evil or wrong or, or cheap in any way, shape, or form. It's that the competition for the jobs is high enough and the demands on the job, you know, the, the money. If you think, like, let me give you an instance, for instance. If you think there's a lot of money in television, like a lot of people, I do television, they're like, who does your makeup? Um, We do our own makeup. A lot of the money is out of radio and television, and part of that is the Internet. Um, Part of it is, you know, being able to be a radio station, like a clear channel, and saying, you know, hey, we got this wacky Latino guy. We could put him on all four of our wacky Latino stations on the West Coast. And it'll sound as if he's there. Just don't drop a lot of local references. And instead of paying four different wacky Latino guys, they just pay one wacky Latino guy. And, you know, I'm not saying Clear Channel is is right or wrong for doing that. I'm saying that they had, they, they did it. Um, but I can also tell you, when I worked at Clear Channel, you know, the executive who had an assistant became four executives who had an assistant. And then, it you know, the, the sales team who, you know, were making 150K a year became a sales team that were making hundred K a year. Um, the high end salespeople when you first got into radio and television suddenly became like, hey, that guy's like sixty years old. He's been around the block. Not like a twenty two year old straight out of college making, you know, six figures type of salesperson. So I'm not sure that all the trends have worked out well in the United States. Because I, I when I get out of my affluent world I see a lot of pain. And even inside my affluent world, I'm seeing more and more people who are my age, who are renting, who, when they were 20, they were like, I'll own my own home when I'm 40 plus. And they don't. Um, so I didn't really get much out of Obama's speech last night as far as, you know, breaking it down and finding stuff that we could use on the air. Um, Obama did recognize House Speaker Paul Ryan's interest in tackling poverty and he said he had welcomed a serious discussion about strategies like expanding tax cuts for low-income workers without kids whether conservatives will keep you know take the president's offer up to work together remains to be seen. Um, that is one area that uh, I wish we could lift up our society is the extreme poverty the extreme poverty and the poverty so um, and I don't think there's a good answer for it uh, because we as a nation, are, we're big, we're huge, we're a a nation of 50 states, and the poverty in Florida is way different than the poverty in West Virginia, which is not even similar at all to the poverty in Southern California. Southern California and Northern California differ like golden clay. So how are we going to come up with a national policy to to stamp out poverty when all of our, our states have different problems? The single mother with three kids who's, you know, trying to raise her kids and, you know, go to work and work two or three jobs is totally different than um, the person who got on the wrong side of the tracks and, you know, did drugs and isn't employable. This is going to sound really, really bad of me, but it shows you how small-minded America is, and I'm part of that small-mindedness. I've never dated a girl with tattoos. I find them unattractive. I, okay, there was one, and she had like the the henna Chinese kind of things, um, only on her wrists, like in the like. So, if I had you know you know advice to children these days, don't get a lot of tattoos, because there's gonna be people like Rob who won't hire you, and I, that's horrible, right? Um, I think we still live in a society where six foot two. White guys probably get better treatment than five foot two white guys, and then you can start adding color of skins, race, language proficiencies, and all other choices. I don't, I don't think we live in the perfect world. So anyway, um, poverty is the one area that I don't think there's a right answer. So listen to this statistic, and this is this is almost better than three out of four people make up seventy five percent of all people. A quarter of people won't make a single call on their cell phones this week. I love that. Um, Because I'm I'm one of them. Maybe I'll make a call or two. But you would think, when you've got this, like, super computer, nuclear-powered Apple phone, that, like, you'd always be on the phone. I mean, isn't that the cliche of the, the mobile phone, the guy holding it up to his ear and, like, barking out and being rude and talking at lunch and interrupting in people's small time. Um, but a quarter of people won't make a phone call on their cell phone this week. I'm kind of getting there. I'd rather text, you know, I can pick up the phone and say, Hey, Jeremy, I'm gonna run a little late today for work, but I'd rather text them. Um, calling a friend, you know, running 10 minutes late to dinner, run, Am i going to call or text, text. Phone conversations with friends and family have been supplanted to an extent by social networks. Um, And if you look at what the telephone companies like Verizon and AT&T have done, 10 years ago, you were paying for 700 minutes a month or 1,000 minutes a month or, you know, 2,000 minutes a month. And you would share your minutes of call time with your friends or your family or your loved ones. Um, And the data was free. And then that changed. As we started using more data, the phone companies like, "Uh uh-oh. Um, there once was like a hundred texts that you could do a month, and then they changed that. I think for most people, I'm sure there's plans out there that people are still paying for the text. And do you remember how mad you used to get when people would text you something stupid? Um, or, there, or they'd send you four texts that could have been one text? So consumers will trade in or sell 120 used smartphones, generating more than $17 billion this year. The number of women in technology is expected to remain flat or even lower slightly in developed countries despite all the noise around the issue this year. Virtual reality will have its first billion dollar year with 700 million dollars in hardware sales and the rest from content. That forecast includes two and a half million headsets and 10 million games. So it's going to be a good year for technology. Got a big event coming up. Big event coming up uh, end of the month on income and retirement. You can sign up. For the event in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge. Great parking, easy parking. I provide wine and cheese. It's five bucks. Um, but you can have five bucks of wine and cheese and get free financial information. So you can sign up for the event at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. We'll take a break here. I'll be right back.
1: Money. On AM 1220 KDOW
3: and iHeart Radio station. Welcome in, I'm Rob Black talking money investing more. GM announced a big dividend boost. GM announced a big buyback. GM announced more earnings in the future. They're kind of developing some cars on the same kind of body, so they're going to be able to cut costs. What can hurt GM? They just American car makers just sold a record amount of cars last year. Well, they sold record amount of cars because of cheap gas, easy credit, and an average vehicle age of 11 years is driving the sales boat. What could cause it to go the other way? Expensive gas, tougher credit, and, or that's probably about it really. Um, There's some disruptions that could hurt them. Ride hailing services like Uber and Lyft trying to angle for a future where car ownership's unnecessary. Um, you know, Uber's got a valuation of $60 billion, which tells you, like, just take a look at GM. GM has invested in Lyft, $500 million, at a $5.5 uh, billion valuation back then. Uh, but the change disruption disruption's going to happen pretty fast. Some people think Apple, yeah, they've got 1,000 engineers working on an Apple car. Maybe they can't get it out fast enough. How crazy is that, right? A couple things that I want you to do um, is to write down a list like, you know, why is GM doing well? What caused it to go bad? Having that concept in your head gets you ahead of most investors because you're already starting to think for yourself. Markets opened higher and they went lower. Let them go lower. As my friend uh it wasn't Ariel, but one of my friends from the Disney characters Was it ISA or ELSA? Let it go. Let it go. Um, Something about being one with the snow. Just let it go. I don't know. Just let the market go right now. Don't stress. Make sure you're diversified. Have a plan. Um, If you're going to be killed by a 40% correction, get out of the market. I don't want you dead. I look at a 40% correction as buying opportunity. Um, And I've got cash reserves because of that. Um, if the housing market were to crash, you know, like for instance, um, there's a huge earthquake in the Bay Area and a lot of people were to move, I've got cash in the bank so that I can go out and buy more property. Um, that's my thought. Got an email from a person named Alex. Love your show. Listen every day. Two questions for you. First and foremost, love my show. Tells me there's something really wrong with you. Uh, because I talk about blah, blah, money, blah. Which price-to-earnings ratio do you use, and is there a good website you use to track a company's P.E. history to provide context? Um, I use Morningstar for my, you know, evaluations, valuations, Standard & Poor's. Um, you might have a brokerage account that gets you access to those uh, uh, research houses. I would be very cautious on using one P.E. ratio. That just tells me that you're an amateur. Um, and I, I, I mean that to kind of calm you down a little bit, to slap you around. Um, in a loving way, as a big brother, you know, the PE of an Amazon is going to be way different than the PE of an Intel. In the last few years, you've seen Intel stock rocket. Did I say snot rocket? No, I said stock rocket. Um, It's gone from 20 bucks a share to where it is now, 32. Has high about 38. Some analysts see it going to 40. Why? Because it's trading... Historically, it's, one of the things that I like to look at is a five year trading PE. A five year trading PE means it, it's had a low of 12 and a high of 20, and it's currently at 14. It's close to the low end versus the high end. So I see some value there. That is such an easy way of thinking. It's such a simple way of thinking. It's good and bad. You can kind of get lulled into a value trap, and you can get lulled into, like, hey, this is pretty easy. Um,. You know, Microsoft is another great tech company that is great again. Um, How did that happen? So it's trading at Ford 17 17 times uh, earnings. They got rid of their executive. Um, He went off to to run and play with the LA Clippers, uh, Steve Ballmer, and they replaced him with a guy who seems to to get product and get what people want. Um, And they've done really well with the cloud. So I don't want to tell you, Alex, that one PE is the end all holy grail of all PEs, that would hurt you. Um, you know, GE training at 10 times, well, Tesla's, you know, got a higher PE, but it's growing a lot faster. Um, sometimes I look at PE, sometimes I look at price to sales ratio, valuations, return on equity, return on income, um, you know, debt balance sheets. There's a lot more to it than just saying, you know, here's the PE. Um, But I think I gave you an answer to your question. You also say, after you finish working and your group term life insurance policy expires, do you see a need to buy a personal life insurance policy? Yeah, you should always have a term life policy covering what happens if you die and your income goes away. If you retire, your income has gone away. So if you die, you're not as financially valuable to anyone as you used to be. So I don't know your personal situation, but I think I answered that question. Five products I would never, ever want you to buy. I don't want you to buy alternative investments. Um, Hedge funds, private equity investments, um, oil wells, uh, they're very illiquid, and they can get you into a lot of trouble. I don't want you to buy non-traded REITs. Real estate investment trusts come in two basic varieties, traded and non-traded. The traded is regulated by the SEC. Um, Non-traded means there's upfront costs that can run as high as 15%, and you can be getting swindled. So publicly traded REITs, good. Non-traded REITs, bad. Variable life insurance, you don't need a, you don't need it. You need term life insurance. You don't need whole life. You don't need variable life insurance. You don't need to build a cash value as you pay your premiums. Um, it's way too expensive. Buy term, invest the rest. That's what financial professionals do. And you don't need penny stocks. Um, once there was a, a, a day in my life where I was like, it would be real fun to buy a two-dollar stock and see it go to four. Woo I saw that $2 shot go to zero. Big event coming up on the 28th of January in Palo Alto. The Ten Pillars of Retirement Income Planning Seminar. You can sign up for it at robblack.com, Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show, Facebook me, Cron4 robblack Take care. Talk to you soon.